Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. Well, in this episode, I have a special guest, a very good friend of mine, Sophia Luckett, who is joining me all the way from the north of England to talk about Canada. And I've known Sophia for a long time. We worked together at Hanging Ditch Wine Merchants. We're both newbies to the business. And so we really helped each other kind of learn on the ground. And uh, we've been friends ever since. And it's really exciting to talk to you, Sophia. So um, can you introduce yourself? And why are you talking about Canada? Well, nice one. Well, hello, Matthew. It is super, super lovely to be here with you. Um, yeah, we we do go back, don't we? In fact, um, if I just slightly remember this, I was fresh off of a Canadian vineyard when we started working together in Manchester, and I thought that I knew loads about wine, but it turns out I only knew about Canadian wine, which the rest of the world had no idea about, and you were my saviour. We did we did sell one Canadian wine. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> Probably more there than like the rest of England yeah. because we had us uh, singing its praises. Um, so the reason why I'm talking about Canadian wine is because so I was born in Canada, uh, but then I moved over to England when I was. Uh, six and there but my dad stayed and my dad's and this is in Nova Scotia that um, that my dad stayed in and dad stayed and started a vineyard there so when I used to go back in the summertime I used to go and work on the vineyard in fact you know help it when we're first like planting it and so on Um, so I'd spend my summers there Um, and then until when I got older I ended up spending a lot more time there going over for you know, uh, bigger chunks of time. So that's how I got into wine was doing that. And, um, and then from that kind of not realizing that I enjoyed it at the time, um, you know, really groaning like a classic teenager, uh, helping at the vineyard. Um, I realized later on that actually I loved it. And, uh, and when he's opened the winery, especially that was really, really special to, to get to talk with people about, uh, about Canadian wine, about Nova Scotian wine. Um, so that's um, that's a real passion for me is uh, Nova Scotia wine, to which the rest of the world knows nothing about. Uh, and if anybody's listening who does, you get 10 points straight away. So we're not here just to talk about Canadian wine. We're here to talk specifically about Nova Scotian wine, which, as you say, is a small, largely unknown area, but one that is emerging, rather like Canadian wine is emerging in general. Yeah, totally. I'd also think it's really comparable to the English wine scene uh, at the moment. I think there's a, a real lot of um, uh, similarities between just styles of wines and where they're at and so on. Maybe England's a bit further ahead with marketing, I think, and probably um, scale um, of production. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of similarities. Yeah, I agree. And climate could come into that as well. Yeah, mega. So before we dive into Nova Scotia, let's do a quick overview of Canada. If I had to sum Canada up in three words, I'd say big, cold, and ice wine. Can you give me a bit more, a bit more detail about Canada? Um, well, lovely three words, and I think that um, it, that that conjures beautiful images. Um, so, 
so yes it is all of those three things so within canada you've got four main wine regions um which are located in four different provinces so if we start on the west you've got british columbia bc um and then you've got um coming over towards the east you've got ontario then next to ontario you've got quebec and then right on the east coast is where you've got nova scotia so those uh so nova scotia just to give everybody a bit of a mental image there is um kind of just above new york because new york's on the east coast they're not too far away from each other um so it's actually nova scotia is a lot lower down in canada than i think most people realize um when they think about maybe nova scotia if there's any idea at all about it, it's maybe it being much further north but to give you an idea of those um those regions and what kind of styles they do so the biggie thing within Canada is that because it is, as we all associate with Canada, cold, each region does rely on a body of water that does the magical effect for it. So like over in BC, you've got the Pacific on the um, on the actual coastal regions. And then within BC, you've also then got the Okanagan Valley, which is more inland. And now the Okanagan um, is like down at the south of the Okanagan Valley on the US border. This is like desert land. So nothing like you would imagine uh, Canadian wine region to look like. So that's where in this desert land that they make loads of like big chunky Bordeaux style red wines that would totally shock you if you haven't already tried some. Um, but then of course, in, on the more coastal side of BC, you'll find more of that cool climate, uh, white wines and so on coming from. Then over in um, Ontario, that's definitely cool climate, but it's got the uh, Lake Ontario and Lake Erie that do lots of the warming up there. So they specialize in like Riesling, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, so all the cool customers. And then you've got Quebec uh, next to that, which is mega mega cold. It's got an influence from the Atlantic Ocean and then a kind of river that runs through it. Um, they also do some cool climate grapes like um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and so on. Uh, but they also do a lot of hybrid um, wines there. And then you've got um, on the East Coast, you've got the lovely Nova Scotia. So Nova Scotia is mega, mega influenced by the Atlantic Ocean. Right. So Nova Scotia heavily influenced by the Atlantic. So just one point, um, actually, Sophia which I think is useful thinking about Canadian wine, is actually to think of it as North American wine, to think of the whole continent. Because a lot of these regions that you've mentioned are quite close to the US. It's like Okanagan is right next to Washington, similar climate, but just even longer days and more sunlight. And then Ontario, the other side of New York, you've got the Great Lakes influencing both sides of that border. And then Nova Scotia, that Atlantic influence is quite similar to Long Island, for instance. Yeah, exactly. That's a, a really great, uh, I think, uh, kind of thing to draw into people's minds there because, you know, Canada is so unknown because it's so big. But actually, it really is, you know, these places are really close to these other well-known wine regions that we know. We just don't, we haven't really heard of yet of these wine regions in Canada. Yeah, and, and New York's another region which is kind of very historic, but also very new in terms of its kind of modern wine production. And also with a cold climate, which... Um, does um, mean that quite a lot of hybrids are planted there. And we're definitely going to talk about that in, t in relation to Nova Scotia. So let's look at Nova Scotia in particular. So I'm looking at the map and you're right. Nova Scotia is a bit further down than I realized. And it's also 
very extreme. It's basically in the Atlantic Ocean from what I can see on the map. I know. I always think that it looks like a whale on its side. Do you know what I mean? Like it's swimming down south, the whale. And and it's like, so it's this little peninsula that comes out right on at the east coast that I think um, maybe, um, you know, when you look at a map close up, you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. It's this kind of little, uh, little arm that just juts out on the side. Yeah, it's quite distinct because you can really notice this just kind of extra bit of Canada just sticking out there. Yeah, yeah, it's almost an island, uh, but not quite. So it's this real uh, special little piece of land that comes out. So, um, so as you can see, yeah, because it's almost an island, you know, it's totally surrounded by, well, not totally, but nearly so completely surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean. So um, the, like on the east coast of Nova Scotia, um, you have a few vineyards there, but the majority of the vineyards are kind of tucked in right on the west coast, right on the inside. So you have a kind of like inlet of water that comes in on the inside, and that's the Bay of Fundy, which is like a kajunga part of the style of wines that are, are produced here. Um, and so that's where the majority of the vineyards are. There's different areas within um, Nova Scotia, uh, but um, on that inside, side and then you have the Bay of Fundy then off the Bay of Fundy there's another little inlet that comes off and that's the Minus Basin again where a lot of the the vineyards are located kind of looking over that so the Minus Basin that that area um, so you've got the Annapolis Valley um, that's kind of within the um, on that that inner inside of Nova Scotia that's tucked in between the Canadian mainland and then Nova Scotia. You've got the Annapolis Valley and then within the Annapolis Valley you've got the Gaspereau Valley. And so the Annapolis Valley and Gaspereau Valley are, are big um, wine regions there within Nova Scotia. And the Gaspereau Valley is what I'm really familiar with because that's where I've spent so much of my time. Um, begrudgingly as a kid and then joyously as, uh, as an adult when I realised what a gem it is and absolute gem um so yeah that area there a lot of the vineyards within the gaspero uh valley are just mega influenced by the minus basin and so for most of them but not all of them you can see the minus basin from where you are and you're never too far away from it now the minus basin has like dr like super dramatic tides um which is just really crucial to kind of understanding the terroir of this area so the tides um go twice a day hugely in and out so you're left with like complete mud flats you know one hour and then a few hours later you look back and it's filled up right up to the brim um so it, it the landscape changes all the time so that body of water is what really moderates the the climate in that area in order to allow grapes to grow there because you know as most people would assume like how can you do that in Nova Scotia grow grapes it's often quite a shockeroo to people that you can but it is um that body water that does such a special special job there and also Nova Scotia being lower down than most people are aware it's actually on the same latitude line as Bordeaux so it's a 45 degree latitude line um, which again is a bit gobsmacking um, for a lot of people because just not associating it with that maybe I'm making a lot of presumptions about what people associate with Nova Scotia most, most people have none whatsoever um, but yeah it's possible um, and so I think uh, the summers as well 
are consistently gorgeous. So it's a lovely place to go on your holly bobs because it's so um, gorgeous every summer there. So in that sense, I say a little bit different from England in the fact that you can rely on it as a, as a lovely place to go bask in the sun. But of course, the winters are really mega cold. You know, they often get down to minus 20, um, which is why... Um, you know, to begin with, especially you mentioned before the hybrid grape varieties, but that's why hybrid grape varieties were such a key part to kind of getting Nova Scotia going uh, because they needed to be able to plant grape varieties that could survive uh, these winter temperatures. So it wasn't so much about what would ripen in the summer and in the, the growing season. It was what could survive the winter. Um, so that's where a lot of um, hybrids came into play in Nova Scotia. So before we zoom in on hybrid grapes, as you say, very important, how big is Nova Scotia? So basically, you could squidge Nova Scotia into kind of like the southern part of England. So if you imagine, you know how like in England, there's like that long bit that comes out along the bottom. That's basically Nova Scotia uh, in size. Uh, and the population is less than a million. Um, so, you know, you've got hardly any people. So there's so much land to play with here, um, which is part of the reason why now this is just a booming area for vineyards because there's so much potential. And, you know, land doesn't cost there like it does, you know, in England and so on. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, you've got this uh, vast amount of beautiful uh, verdancy there that is um, a bit of an adventure playground at the moment with, uh, with wineries. Yeah, so this is why it's quite exciting to talk about regions like Nova Scotia, because they are relatively new and untouched and untapped. And so these winemakers are kind of pioneers exploring the land and working out um, which parts work best and which styles of wine to make and which great varieties to work with. Yeah, I know. I know it is. It is such an exciting time to be there. I mean, because I now live over in the UK, but I'm often get little pangs of like, I wish I was back there because it is, it's a time for absolute uh, growth, for adventure and for entrepreneurship, I think. Like for, you know, there's a chance now for everybody to really shine and learn from what's going on. I often think like, what would it have been like, you know, to been there at the beginning of um, when Chablis became an Appalachian and they were planting the vineyard and and seeing it, it start to to grow up you know that it, it's so um it's just really really I don't know it gives me the tingles being there at the beginning of something um that undoubtedly is is going to be pretty huge because already you know the the wine industry in Nova Scotia it's such an integral part to the tourism to the locals it's, it's massive and it's only going to get bigger and bigger because right now, um, you know, there's just vineyards popping up all over the place and new wineries being built. And um, yeah, it's really, really exciting. Well, let's talk about hybrids, a dirty word for some people, but necessary in some of these regions, especially Nova Scotia. I think you've touched on this, but why are hybrids so important for Nova Scotia? Yeah, also, I'd just like to say, I feel like um, I think 
to to start off talking about hybrids in Nova Scotia is maybe unfair because we're planting the seed of that being the the really big uh, part of it. But I'd, I'd just like to say a waiver before we begin that hybrids definitely are still are, and you can make great wine from those styles of wines there. But there's definitely a huge influence of the vinifera coming in there. So which vinifera is being planted? Well, um, very much like Ontario, because it's a cool climate, uh, the big heroes are Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Also, because of course, when you think of those two, what do you think of? Sparkles. And we'll come on to this, but this is the big hero of Nova Scotia's traditional method sparkling wine um, that is just uh, magical. Um, and then, yeah, you have these really, really crisp, fresh white wines that are Riesling and Chardonnay are the uh, are the biggies. So that's definitely, um, everybody's basically now realizing that that can work successfully there. So more and more planting of it. So do you feel that hybrids are becoming less important or less integral? I would say, yes, less integral, but it doesn't mean that they're not still enjoyed um, a lot. And, you know, well, I think um, a, there's some key hybrids that I think will maybe always have a place in Nova Scotia because they're so well loved and, and we know them well and enjoy the style of wine that they make. For example, Lackady. So Lackady is like this... Um, it's a signature white grape of Nova Scotia that's a hybrid. Um, and so Lacadie, so uh, Nova Scotia is made up of the um, Acadians who used to live there, which is where this name Lacadie comes from. So named after the Acadians. So although um, Lacadie is actually a hybrid that originated in Ontario, it came over to Nova Scotia and just grew beautifully. And it's fantastic for making traditional methods, sparkling wines, and the same with really crisp fresh white wines. It's quite quite flexible, a bit like Chardonnay in the fact that you can do loads of different things with it. So you can play with it. It can make really green apple, crisp, zingy, fresh whites just in stainless steel, but it also really ages nicely in oak so you can get big, um, rounded, voluptuous, vanillary lacadies, which are lovely. So um, definitely a grape that's exciting for there, I'd say, and worth holding on to. so yeah, there's there's lots of different and again planted at the beginning because it was a grape that's hardy. So it's it's uh, very good at being able to um, last throughout the winter um, in the the harsh conditions that can happen there. Just on that, on the winter, what's really interesting is. Um, Obviously, you kind of picture in Nova Scotia winter and it's it's like a, a Christmas postcard. You know, it, it's just snow landscape everywhere. But the snow is a mega friend to the vines. So the snow's like a blanket around the vines and kind of insulates them in the winter. It's the winters where there is no snow, but it's really flipping cold. That is the problem. And that's when you need to have the, the hybrid grapes that are going to be okay basically but you know it's usually if you've got a winter with snow then you've got some protection to those vines so the um, vinifera grapes can survive all the better there so the winter freeze is the issue not not the snow exactly yeah the snow is our pal so you've mentioned um lacadie what other hybrids are planted in nova scotia yeah, so you have, um, you know what, I'm just going to say it again, but there's a few that you find also in England, which I love when I see them over here. I'm like, oh, hello. So, for example, um, Ortega 
is uh, is a biggie. So uh, Ortega's like this little peachy, silky, beautiful, um, aromatic white grape. Um, and then you've also got Cével Blanc that um, makes almost quite, um, I'd say, minerally um, fresh, more kind of like stony style wines. So they're quite biggies that you find there, along with, of course, Vidal. Uh, so Vidal the one of the key hybrid grapes across the whole of Canada uh, because it is the, um, the kind of normal grape that we, you would use for making ice wine. So you make ice wine in Nova Scotia as well. Um, and so Vidal is also used for making dry white wines or is often put into blends. So you often see it cropping up as well. Uh, but that's a really cool, useful grape. And of course, super hardy because it's um, the ice wine. It's very good at hanging on the vine for a long time and not falling apart. And so keeping able to ripen all the time right so a lot of diversity that you've been mentioning here with different influences of bodies of water different valleys uh, different locations for vineyards we've got vinifera we've got uh, hybrids we've got a very emerging region and then we've got all these different styles of wine which you have touched on but tell me about sparkling wine yes so i'd say um there's the two kind of big styles coming out of nova scotia are traditional methods sparkles and whites. And I'm going to touch on the whites again because there's a certain wine as well that's worth mentioning, the the Appalachian wine. But sparkles-wise, it's just the perfect region for making your traditional method sparkles. Because, of course, what you want is that cutthroat acidity. And that is what Nova Scotia can give you. Um, in fact, I think because um, because of growing up with Nova Scotia wine, I am now a total acid junkie. Like, unless... Unless my wine has like this karate kick zestiness, I'm like, like not interested. Have you found that, Matthew? Have you found living in California that your tastes have changed because you're so used to California styles? That's a very good question because I, a lot of people in the wine industry in California do find themselves developing um, a kind of a house palette, a California palette. And that's something that um, I fight against. Because I don't want to be addicted to one style or get used to one style. And unlike you, I do like high acid whites. And certainly a lot of winemakers in California are determined to make their wines as high acid as possible. So looking for the cooler sites. But even then, when they describe a wine as high acid, I think, well, yeah, if you compare it to a really cool climate, it's still not quite high enough. But that's California. There's a richness to the wines. But um, I'm always trying to uh, taste as widely and broadly as possible so i don't get any kind of house palette as it were you are diplomatic and wise <laughs> um but i mean yeah i mean i think once uh, once you get a taste for that nova scotia acidity it's hard to um to to lose it that it's addictive that absolute just freshness to all of the wines so that's why it's it's just beautiful for making um your traditional method sparkles because you have that that beautiful acidity to it um so and with chardonnay and pinot noir uh growing so nicely there then it just you know it's key it's a it's a match made in heaven so there's quite a few um people who have come over from uh france and recognize nova scotia as a really great terroir for for making your traditional methods there um so we're talking about acid some people i know who taste english sparkling wine find it too acidic it's like too much of a bite to it how would you compare nova scotia to england is it even higher 
I would say they're very similar um, from what, I, you know what, I can't believe I haven't done this, but I've never done a side by side. What What am I thinking? <laughs> I can't believe I've done that. But I've always, whenever I've tasted uh, an English traditional method, it's given me the same feels as Nova Scotia traditional method. So uh, I would say there's definitely, um, uh, there's quite big similarity there. Because of that killer acid, um, the traditional methods are often aged for a long time on their lees, you know, to just try and you know, get more of those pastry influences to, to balance out, uh, to kind of add a bit of richness um, to that acidity. And, you know, pretty much everything's always a brute. I haven't really seen, uh, I'm just, maybe I'm not familiar, but I haven't seen any like extra brute or brute nature there because I don't, it would be a bit of a gamble. Uh, but maybe they are there. I just uh, haven't been familiar with yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I think, again, just comparing English sparkling wine, which I'm much more familiar with, I find the English sparkling wine without any dosage is a little bit too raw. And so I was wondering if in Nova Scotia they do use a bit of dosage just to soften that acidity a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as I say, they, there might be, have been some producers who have who have done it. I just haven't uh, tasted tasted them. Um, but you, uh, yeah. I mean, so because you're doing that extended lees aging, um, yeah, they're just beautifully balanced. You get that lovely, lovely uh, biscuity, toasty notes with that, you know, green apple freshness and citrusiness coming through from uh, from the acid. Um, they're beautiful and I'd say that that is definitely more and more what a lot of wineries are trying to specialize in recognizing that you know Nova Scotia production is never going to be you know massive it's always going to be a small uh, production so really it's great to specialize in something high end because if you're going to make something small production, you're going to have to charge a big, uh, you know, price tag to it. So you may as well make something that's absolutely premium. And these are really, really premium. Um, so yeah, some top class stuff coming out of there that is well worth a try. So hard to get your hands on outside of Nova Scotia. Um, but, um, either get yourself there to Nova Scotia and, um, and try some or see if you can source some out of it. I think there's a few across Canada. Last year, I think there was a Nova Scotia sparkling wine and Benjamin Bridge being stocked in Gordon Ramsay's restaurant in uh, London. Uh, so that was like big, uh, woohoo, exciting news. Yeah, that's interesting that, it's, uh, they found, that the wines have found their way into Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. And um, what was the name of the producer, Sophia? Uh, Benjamin Bridge, um, and they're real pioneers of the uh, of the sparkles. Well, they have been of, of the whole of the Nova Scotia wine industry, and particularly of making really premium traditional methods. Um, so they've been key, I'd say, to um, to getting the the name of Nova Scotia out there. Yeah, I think um, it's very important for any emerging region that's small and not very well known that they have those premium wines because that really attracts attention of critics and writers and drinkers as well. Whereas if a reputation very quickly, if a region very quickly gets a reputation for low-end wine, then it's very hard to move away from that. You know, thinking of really important countries like Chile or South Africa who do produce amazing wine, there's still a perception that they only produce cheap wine. So if you can establish a reputation for very good sparkling wine, then you're in a good place, I think, for the future. 
Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and I'd say probably because of the size of Nova Scotia, they haven't quite been able to do the marketing that the UK has done, which has just been incredible at doing exactly that. And they really marked themselves as as premium and doing the best, um, which is what I'd say Nova Scotia deserves. Just needs uh, just needs a bigger budget for that, I imagine. <laughs> so yeah, Canada in general hasn't done the best job of marketing its wines. No, no, because um, I went to uh, Provine a couple of years ago uh, to represent Nova Scotia and I was there with other Nova Scotia producers and a lot of Canadian uh, wine producers. So, you know, all from BC and Ontario, Ontario. And trying through the wines, I was just like, I already knew they were ace, but I was gobsmacked by the quality, like the bees flipping knees. And it was just wacko that, you know people haven't heard of it you know I understand if you're not really getting to taste it because it's not available you know it's still such small production but yeah it it really needs to to be out there more and um, there is like a few lines available in the UK but more from um, BC more than anything is what you see but not from really anywhere else yeah it's frustrating because um, Canada is California's biggest export market so there's a very clear relationship between California and Canada, but it's not reciprocated. We're not getting the Canadian wines back. Yeah. Do you find any Canadian wine in California? Only ice wine. Really? Yeah, yeah. And that's just Inniskillen, which is, you know, the the really big producer. I know. I mean, they've done a great job, haven't they, of getting all over. But yeah, it's yeah. crazy that that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you can find. Let's go back to Nova Scotia and finish with its one appellation, Tidal Bay. Tell me about Tidal Bay. A lovely tiddly bee. Yeah, so Tidal Bay. I mean, I think this is really, really cool, actually. So in 2011, 2012 is when basically the the board of Nova Scotia wine growers decided yeah. to get together and create an appellation. Uh, so to create a style of wine that is made only in Nova Scotia. Um, and this was well mega clever because it has united uh, the wineries of Nova Scotia and so cool now to have this this style of wine that's represented that represents Nova Scotia totally so this wine is called Tidal Bay so you can't make a Tidal Bay anywhere else in the world you know it belongs to Nova Scotia so pretty much every winery makes a Tidal Bay every year so Tidal Bay is a white wine always and um, it's always a blend and everybody, there's kind of four key grape varieties that are the, the ones that you've got to use these ones, but then there's other ones that you're allowed to put in there as well. So everybody's blend is kind of similar, but a little bit different. But the style of Tidal Bay is that it's always cutthroat acidity. Um, it will be dry-ish because it will always, most Nova Scotia white wines are slightly dry to off dry because of course of that high acidity to them and uh, and these are just like licking a diamond like super super fresh but the key thing is because of course this is Nova Scotia it's all about um, seafood there so this is the wine that you drink with seafood all the time so if you're going to a restaurant and you're having lobster you're going to have a glass of Tidal Bay which is so brill you know it blows my mind always when you're going into 
a restaurant and you're having fish and just the the thing you're always recommended is glass of muscadet and it's like flipping that muscadet has done well on this haven't they it is the wine that you pair with fish you know it's the one that goes so it's um i think it was so so great for nova scotia to come up with okay we are seafood nation let's uh what are we having with our seafood and tidal bay is the wine so um yeah they're well worth a try and so every year there's like um uh, a tidal bay festival where all of the wineries show up with their new vintage and um it's like a really big event that will sell lots of tickets for everybody to come through and taste through all of the new tidal bays um and it's really nice actually because you can like blind taste all of the tidal bays including your own wine and see like do i recognize it in there so um yeah it's just uh, a great kind of house wine of nova scotia uh, that everybody makes and so it is a style of wine rather than a natural region. Yeah, it's a style. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the region is Nova Scotia. Well, it's interesting that they came up with an appellation, which is a style rather than saying this is that specific place, though, of course, it does represent Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually, because you would never call one of the traditional methods a tidal bay. Um, you know, the... Um, appellation of those is Nova Scotia really so um so yeah yeah it was quite I think a clever concept to come up with this style uh, that is made there and they're just getting better and better every year yeah if you're ever visiting there you'll notice it crop up all the time yeah and it's a good name because it does evoke a sense of place because you've mentioned how important the tides are and also how important the water is to the climate of Nova Scotia so it does give a sense of identity it's not just a, a brand name yeah, exactly. The tides are, you know, the absolute moderating friend to the the wine, so it's well worth a nod to, I think, on the on on that style of wine. Awesome. So that's been really interesting to learn about Nova Scotia, a small region on the off the coast of Canada, which maybe the listener doesn't know too much about. And obviously, the wines are still hard to find because it is so small and so new and still developing. But these are regions which. We should always keep an eye out on because we're always looking for something different and and we appreciate the diversity of wine. Yeah, definitely keep a lookout for uh, the Nova Scotia wines out there. Um, and also, if you visit there, because um, they the wineries have become such an integral part of the tourism, it's really easy to access all of the wineries there. So there's like, um, there's the Magic Winery bus that's like this double-decker bus that takes you around all the wineries. You do a hop-on, hop-off kind of thing. And, you know, most wineries have got fantastic restaurants that you can go to and enjoy. So it's really been set up in order for people to be able to access these these wineries and to enjoy them so um and and you're basically be one of the uh one in a million there in the fact that you know there's hardly anybody there so you have all this space to yourself and uh, all this wine to drink it's it's incredible and what we didn't mention is uh, what's the name of your family's winery Yes, so that is Luckett Vineyards. Um, so yes, yeah, started by my dad, but now run by my sister Gina. Um, so yeah, definitely visit there too because we've got a fabulous restaurant and uh, and yeah, just Ace Ace wines and um, 
we actually this year is the first year that we're harvesting our Riesling and Chardonnay. Uh, no, the Riesling was harvested last year, but the first year of the uh, Chardonnay. Uh, so, so, so exciting uh, because planted that vineyard about five years ago. And uh, and it's a beautiful site that's really close to the Minas Basin. Um, so it's been perfect for being able to ripen those great varieties there. And when did your dad establish the winery? Well, putting the first vines in, oh gosh, 2005 and 2010 was the first vintage. Um, And that's when the, I think the winery opened in 2011, 2012. Um, So yeah, and it's, I mean, it's massively changed since then. Uh, It's really cool to see its progression from just, you know, this little cellar door to, to what it is now been really magical cool that sounds kind of a an apt metaphor for nova scotia quite new quite young very recent past but changing very very quickly yeah yeah there's loads of innovative people in nova scotia who are just climbing the you know amazing ideas and um just being fantastic pioneers for it so um it's in the right hands i'd say and one thing i forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode is what you actually do and that is the drink talking and can you explain exactly what that is yeah, so uh, thanks, Matthew. So I run uh, wine tasting events um, because I realized when working at the winery and everything in Nova Scotia, that actually, even though working on the vines and everything was great experience, um, what is way more fun is actually just talking with people about wine. Um, so that's what I decided I wanted to do was to just have a, a business where you taste wine with people and hear everybody's opinions and what they think and so on. So that's what I do. So everything uh, BC before COVID was in the flesh, but now everything's online. So I run online wine tasting events where I send the wine and cheese to people's houses and then we do a tasting together. Um, and it's ace. I, I just love it. Dream job. Yeah, it's great that we can stay connected. And wine does that, whether we're in person or virtually, we're still talking about wine. And um, I get to talk to you, even though we're thousands of kilometers away from each other. So thank you, Sophia, for joining me and sharing the love for Nova Scotia wine. In general, look out for Canadian wine when you can get your hands on it, because it is interesting and emerging. And even better if you can get your hands on some Nova Scotia wine. For sure. Yeah, definitely. It's it's ace. So thank you, Sophia, and we'll uh, speak again. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. It's been a proper pleasure. Thank you.